0: So maybe I'll just say a few words about myself so that we can pretend that we know some, something about me. Uh, so I, I live in the Bay Area. Uh, my name is Will kabat again. And, uh, and I've been, um, uh, you know, started m- meditating. Uh, well, I sort of grew up around it. Uh, and I, I kind of, yeah, started a little bit young, but then it didn't take for a while. Uh, and then in my mid-20s, I kind of really caught the bug and, uh, and <laughs> did a lot of my practice then on the East Coast at the Insight Meditation Society. I'm from the East Coast. Uh, <clears throat> and then spent some time in Burma and then came out here uh, and... Um, uh, have been sort of trained by, by Jack uh, uh, in teaching and things like that. And I've been teaching for a few years. Um, also worked in juvenile halls uh, teaching meditation, first in New York and then out here in uh, Oakland, uh, San Leandro, technically. Uh, And, um, you know, what can I say? I'm, I'm, I'm a believer, and, uh, which is, I guess, a good thing if you're going to be sitting up here talking about meditation. <laughs> it's, it's good to at least, you know, you believe in it. Uh, so let see, is there anything else about me? that's enough for now. Um, I'm going to try to speak for a relatively short time and then have more time for questions and and us interacting a little. I like that. I like to hear what you are interested in and what you're wanting to hear about. I have ideas about what I can talk about, but, uh, but sometimes it's hard. I kind of get going and I get excited and then I get carried away, and then, so that might happen. I'm just <laughs> warning you. <laughs> anyway. Um, <clears throat> but I think I'll start, just give a little orienting. You know? Some of us are new here, uh, new to practice, and uh, so I'm going to sketch the territory a little. So just even from sitting for a short time as we did, we may not have felt like a short time, 40 minutes, but you sit for a short time, it doesn't take long to realize it's not so easy to be present. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be present with your breathing, something relatively simple sounding, but just a few moments, right? And. And it's not much easier in the mix, in our busy, in the middle of our busy lives while we're interacting, uh, to be really present here, uh, receptive, open, connected to what's happening. We're sort of... uh, good at being present when something very exciting is happening. We like that, as long as it's something good that's exciting. Uh, so we, you know, many of us tend to structure our lives around when is the next exciting event gonna happen and how can I uh, make it as exciting as possible so that I can feel alive. Um, We also get very present when really terrible things happen. Uh, Sometimes that calls it out of us, you know, because we have to. We really show up. Um, But much of our lives is neither of those extremes. Sort of of a different frequency. And we don't really know how to live in our lives as they are. And I think some evidence of that is that there's often a sense that there's something missing. That there's something not quite complete here. And sometimes that gets sort of, we relate that to us. There's something missing in me. There's something not quite enough about me. There's something incomplete about me. There's something broken about me. And that's the reason something just, that, I, that it doesn't feel like enough, just being here. There's something missing. Or we kind of go outward with it. There's something happening out here or not happening. Yeah? If I just had a little more of this, in my life, or if I just had a better situation, if I just had something, the right relationship, the right job, the right amount of exciting activities, then uh, life would be more fulfilling, Uh, I'd feel more complete. Then I'd feel like I could really be here. as we kind of wait, well, I'll be here when, you know, we don't think this consciously, but kind of unconsciously, I'll really be here just after I just get it arranged a little better. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be time, you know? Even in the course of a day, you can just pick out the spots that you kind of look at as like, then I'll be here. You know, after I get this done and I have a little break, then I'll be here. That'll be, that's what I'm looking for, that that period of time. We're very choosy. And uh, the result is that we're not here very much. (coughs) We're... Actually, it's it's sort of ironic, because we're actually here all the time. (laughs) But we don't experience that, because we're in mind worlds that we live in. You know, I sometimes just call them virtual realities. They're constructed, and one of them is called the future. It's a virtual reality. It's We make it up, all of our ideas about what's gonna happen next and how it's gonna be. And another one is the past. It's um, memories. Or just our wonderings about things. You know, we spend a lot of time in this kind of cloud Even people who meditate do this. <laughs> Is that news to anyone? <laughs> Even on retreats. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just teaching a retreat. I got back yesterday in Chicago. So I'm fresh from it. It's, yes, it's true. <laughs> you know, you're meditating, and it's, it's, you're, it's a it's, you know, you're having a tough sitting. It's painful. The feelings that are rising in that sitting are, are not pleasant. And immediate, it's just amazing. Even people have been sitting for a while. because goes to, you know, I'm not very good at this. I must have done something wrong. You know? Uh, this is not as good a retreat as the last one I had.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, I was really in it that time. Uh, and, and it goes even further, you know, to... I hate everybody here. <laughs> you know? All these people walking around like zombies. You know? it's so, you know... Disconnected. For, you know, it goes on and on. But then... They're having a, a good, they call it, a good meditation. Which just means that it happens to be a little bit pleasant. It doesn't even have to be very pleasant. Just a little bit of calm. And all of a sudden, it's just a different world. Yeah, I'm doing it right. I'm great at this. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, I think I'll become a monk. <laughs> you know, like a life decision comes out of that. I'd be a really good monk, I think. Yeah. But, and then there's a lot, lot of stretches where you know, my breath, breathing in and out, I still feel like not much is happening. You know, it's my I, fantasies are a lot more interesting. You know, why should I even be here? Why don't I just space out? I don't We're waiting, like, you know, yesterday, the 6.15 sit was really peaceful. Mm -hmm. I bet at 6.15 today, I'll get that, kind of a sitting like that, you know. And then the rest of the day is just kind of waiting for that, arranging it. Um, You know, Buddha taught that in every moment of sense contact, which is every moment of Contact through the eyes, seeing, the ears, hearing, nose, smelling, body, touching, feeling. Uh, and the mind, the sixth sense in Buddhism, the mind cognizing something. In every moment of sense contact, there's a feeling tone that arises. And that feeling tone is either pleasant or unpleasant or neither pleasant or unpleasant, which is sometimes called neutral. So you may think, is that true? And you know, just see if it's true. This is not about believing anything, but the Buddha said that and you can check it out. You know, you see somebody, you're walking down the street or you're walking in your own house (laughs) You see somebody that you like, there's a pleasant feeling tone. You see somebody you don't like, you'd rather not see, and there's a very different feeling tone that arises, just in that moment of contact. And And then there's the neither. There's people you see, you don't have any feeling about particularly. You know, we, this is an aspect of our experience we generally don't notice. But it's, it's actually a huge part of our experience. You know, when the Buddha taught the four foundations of mindfulness, which is a way of systematically teaching how to be mindful of everything in human experience. One of the four was this feeling tone. What's interesting about that is it suggested the Buddha thought it was really important. So we spend much of what happens happens in response to this feeling tone. Unpleasant feeling tone, we reject what's happening or we push it away, or we try to get away. And you know, then we plan our escape pleasant feeling tone. We may enjoy it for a moment, but then we often try to hold on to it or get more. And when it's neutral, we space out. <laughs> it's like, nothing happening here. Back to mind world number seven or whatever. TV or what's, you know, what's on the radio. Just, just quickly we go. So the, the thing is about the neutrals, that's most of our life, you know? I don't know what the percentage is, but a lot of it is not particularly pleasant or unpleasant. So we do this kind of automatic thing, is that we think pleasant is good, unpleasant is bad, and neutral is boring. And how do I say this? Um, So there's very little left when we're trying to get more of the pleasant, trying to get away from the unpleasant and spacing out during the neutral. That doesn't leave much room for being here. Yeah. When are we actually just here with what's happening without either trying to get more or trying to get away? Uh, not a lot. And we wonder sometimes, or, you know, it's, it would lead one to wonder, well, how could life feel full, rich, textured, Engaging, if we're not even here. So one of the things we're practicing meditation is just being here for a moment, you know, just one moment. Coming out of your mind worlds and arriving here. It's not a huge commitment, just a moment. And then we do this again and again and again. And again 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 and again. And we start to kind of. Well, if you want to talk percentages, you know, rather than 98% virtual reality, sometimes it's easier even just to kind of mime this, you know? You know, to kind of... Maybe, I don't know, let's be generous, 60%. Here. Yeah. these moments, although at first they're scattered, they begin to connect. And as they connect more and more, uh, there starts to be some continuity of presence in the present. And when there's a certain kind of continuity of presence in the present, and this happens with practice, uh, we start to, rather than it feeling like these scattered moments of being here, and wow, I'm here, we start to realize that we actually are always here. And that these, uh, that we never go anywhere that there's just mental content happening in the present. That there is no next moment experientially. There's only now. And this now just includes what's happening. So that search You know, it doesn't mean you can't plan for things. You can. But it doesn't have this quality of, you know, frantic search for what's gonna make this more complete. Because actually the, the fullness of the present cannot be completed, it's complete. Uh, one way to think about this is like you you climb a mountain. It's a struggle. You're climbing. It's this whole. You've been planning it for a long time. You get to the top, and for a few moments, you just look out. You've arrived. There's nowhere to get to from here. There's no next step. You're at the top. And that is an amazing feeling. Usually it doesn't last very long because then there's like, this is great. And you know, it's like, oh, and I should tell Joey about this. And you know, hey, what are you and, you know. Or how are we gonna get down? That's an important step, but, you know, but there's that moment of arrival. And part of what we do is we kind of take the wrong lesson from that. The lesson we take from that is, when's the next mountain trip? We place that experience in the mountain, within the mountain did that, which is kind of true. Those conditions contributed to us being able to open to this arrival place. But one of the things that we're cultivating in this practice is, why don't we arrive right now? That arrival does not depend on the mountain. That arrival is here when there is no searching for the next thing when there's no attempt to get rid of anything, when there's no, you know, when there's no seeking. This is interesting because this kind of contentment is so close to us. It's so present. It's so available, but we don't know how to access it. You know, we've never learned. It's like a, in some traditions they talk about it like a treasure in your own house, but you're out looking for, you know, you're out doing, you know, minimum wage jobs. You have like gold in your basement, you know or the jewel in your pocket. It's like that what, that what we're looking here is so close, but it's so present, actually. But we've never been taught about it. We've never learned to recognize it. We've never learned to kind of dwell in it. And partly that's just because our minds are so busy and we're so caught up that when we arrive here for a second, it's like we're not here long enough to really see what's happening. We can't feel that dimension, call it like the dimension of the present, because it's just too fleeting, you know? Actually, we have to be here for a little bit to kind of sense this. it's hard to find words for it. I'm gonna take another tack for a moment. So in, in, in meditation practice or whatever, you know, people are very, and many of us, you know, we're very conditioned to be focusing on the content of what is happening. You know, as the content of what's happening in the present determines the value of the moment so if what's happening is something that I like, there's a, a high value of the present. If something's happening that I don't like, it's a low value. Just like in those meditations I was talking about. You know, you're know, you having a painful sitting, which is one of the conditions of life. We experience pain. It's not your fault. <coughs> you have a human body. So you will experience your fair share of unpleasant sensations even if you pretend you don't or try to not pay attention to that. You will. It's a human, human experience. But people in in their practice are always trying to, you know, manipulate it so that the meditation feels good. You know, we have this idea that deepening in meditation means I'm just going to feel better and better. It's sort of an American kind of, idea. (laughs) So superficial, you know, we've been trained well. Meditation, it's relaxing. I just do it more, I'll feel better. But actually, the more we're present, the more we're present to life that's unfolding, the more we're present to the fullness of human experience, which includes Pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. It includes the eight what the Buddha called the eight worldly winds: gain and loss, praise and blame, uh, pleasure and pain, uh, fame and ill repute. I like that word ill repute. You know, I've had a lot of ill repute lately.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it Means when, yeah, you know what it means, right? When people don't like you. <laughs> and they're talking badly about you. Uh, so it, it, this is the human realm. So we experience those eight worldly ones. We don't just get no pleasure and no pain. Sorry. We don't just get gain and no loss. We, we get all of it. And the more we decide to be present, the more we're going to be present for all of that. Yeah. That's what really living includes. Even though our society, it's sort of designed around this idea that actually a better life would be just to maximize one and not the other and to get away from the negative ones as much as possible, that somehow that's going to be a fuller life. But actually, no, it's not true. Fullness of life includes it all. And that's what we're cultivating. We're cultivating a capacity to be with the range of human experience from the highs to the lows, uh, all of it, you know, Uh, uh, Sayadaw Pandita, who I practice with in Burma, who's a very hardcore guy. Uh, He's like a a really like a marine drill sergeant of meditation. (laughs) He, uh, somebody asked him once, um, why does enlightenment happen in stages? Why does it not happen all at once? In their model, that's the way it is. It's just a model. You know, uh, San Sanim, who's a, who's a Korean Zen master, he's one of my father's teachers. Uh, somebody asked him once, How many stages of his enlightenment are there? And he said, How many do you want? <laughs> 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 it's just another thing we kind of think. But anyway, somebody asked Sayadu Pandita know, this, Why does it happen in stages? And he said, Because otherwise you wouldn't be able to tolerate the joy or the pain. So the joy and the pain. You have know. the sense, sometimes we think, oh, enlightenment, that's about like floating off into happy land, you know? But his description is very different. It's this kind of bigness, you know, open. It's like we can actually live here. There's a kind of confidence in that, yeah? What does that mean, that I could actually live here and be present to the full range? Yeah, well, that's something we cultivate slowly. You don't have to do it all at once. That's the good news. You know, uh, it, we can't do it all at once. We, we're cultivating but more and more. And that's a... Then there's some possibility of um, feeling alive, feeling that life is uh, lived, you know, of feeling a textured experience of living because uh, we're actually... Connected to where life is happening, which is here. It's only here that life is actually unfolding in the present. And the you know the Taoists call this giving life to life, which is a little bit of a weird expression. How do you why do you have to give life to life? But in a way, it's true. We kind of it's like when we're not connected, it's like well, the Buddha said this in, in the Dhammapada. There's a line where he says, "To be non, to not be mindful, not be present, is like being dead already." So. I'm just going to come back again to these different meditations. And even people who have been practicing a long time, they still do this thing internally. I had a good meditation. I had a bad meditation. You know, I'm, I'm really not, you know, I don't know, I'm just not connected right now on this retreat. Why? Because I don't feel connected. I don't feel like I'm present. Uh, and this is a mistake. I'll just tell you now. It's a mistake because it's, it's confused. The work of meditation is not to change what's happening in the present. There's so much that's happening in the present that we can't change. Some things we can. But the work of meditation is not to change what's happening in the present. It's to change our relationship to it. So you can tell when you're, you know, when somebody comes in for an interview, they're a really seasoned practitioner because they can say, you know, say how's how's what's happening in your practice? They say, ah, it's totally distracted, you know, for the sitting. It's just, mind's racing all over the place, and they look totally fine about it. It's just, they're not pretending to be fine, but it's just, yeah, sometimes, and you know, or it's a, a lot of pain. It's just, you know, sitting was full of pain, a lot of, you know, difficult emotions arising. But there's a sense of, oh, being with it. Yeah. And sort of understanding, this is, kind of comes with, you know, insight and time that this is not a mistake, this is the way it is. Sometimes it's like this, sometimes it's like this, sometimes it's like this. Uh, I was, I have an 11 year old at home and, um, and uh, I've been helping him with his math homework, which I'm enjoying. Because I have a feeling that in like a year or two, I won't be able to do it anymore. <laughs> you know, I can barely do it now. You know, but I, I still kind of end up feeling sort of smart because I can explain, you know. F- he's doing fractions now. <laughs> I'm sort of having to you know, read up on it a little. I cheat. <laughs> but, you know, I can see that. It seems like I know what I'm doing. But I had this insight doing fractions uh, with him. Uh, and I don't know if you're up on your fractions, so maybe, I, you, know, <laughs> maybe you remember. You know. But the thing about fractions, when you're adding and subtracting fractions, is that uh, the important thing is the denominator. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Right? You have to find the common denominator. <laughs> and then you can add and subtract fractions. Right? If you don't find the common denominator, it, it, I don't know, maybe you can still do it. I, but I don't know how to do it. I think it's really hard. <laughs> you know? uh, but so it takes a little work to get the common denominator. But then it's pretty easy kind of add uh, and I was teaching a class at that point in the city, and, uh, and I, I was just thinking of things. And I said, hey, this is just like meditation. That's what the practice is about. As long as you have awareness in the denominator, <laughs> it doesn't matter what's in the numerator. <laughs> So, so that's kind of, if you know what the work is, it's just easier because then you're not trying to do the work like that's not the work, like trying to add the whole thing at once, you know, because the work of meditation is not about changing the numerator, whatever the numerator is, which is what's happening right now, but it's, it's what's happening in the denominator. The common denominator is awareness. It's true right now. It's the common denominator here of all experience. The common denon- den- denominator of all experience is awareness, right? I mean, if you were not aware, you would not be having any experience right now. This whole thing is arising in awareness, in your awareness. This whole room, everything you can think of or imagine, everything you're feeling in your body. Mm. The common denominator of all experience. There's a story about uh, of Nasruddin, you know Nasruddin? the Sufi stories. Uh, he's kind of like the wise fool, you know. Uh, and there's this story of Nasruddin that he was in the uh, in the mosque and uh, somebody came in and he had his feet up on, the his boots up on an altar. And he was just, I don't know if he's reading a book or just hanging out. And the person came in and said, Nazarene, <laughs> you can't do that. That's holy. That plays holy. Take your boots off it. And he looked up and he said, Where would you like me to put them? <laughs> That's knowing the denominator. <laughs> hmm? Then there's no separation between retreat and daily life then there's no difference between monk layperson there's no coming or going there's nowhere to get to Of hard to continue on from there. <laughs> so, you know, when we start to live in that, in this, let's call it this, when we start to live in this uh, yeah, there's no, I don't know. Everything I say now feels like extra. Let's just, let's wrap it up. Uh, oh, I'll add one more thing. Uh, the third Zen patriarch, a uh, beautiful poem called faith in mind. And there's a line in there, uh, To live in this realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. Let's just sit for a minute, a moment. okay uh it's funny even that is like a convention you know let's sit for a moment i just you know sort of like we were sitting before you know? <laughs> but i just got caught up in the convention we didn't even need to do that it's just we changed the posture and it seems like we're doing something else like oh, okay sit for a moment you know? you know but that's it's just another shape that's the numerator. You know? Now this is the numerator. (laughs) Okay, are there any questions or any comments? Yeah. Meditation, what is the aha moment? What is the goal? To get to a
1: point of nothing, but pure love?
0: This is the aha moment right now. Yeah, it's I don't know yeah. You may have lots of aha's in practicing and you probably will. You know, if you practice there will be a lot of aha's and, and whoa and, something and, You know, <laughs> I'm like, ah yikes. You know, but but the but the the real goal is not any kind of moment. It's not you know, that's it's not any experience particularly. It's we're deepening into that which is, you know, uh, Present in all experience. Yeah, it's it's not dependent on experience. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah.
2: When you say you're a believer, what does that mean?
0: What does it mean? When I say a believer, I'm a believer. What does it mean? It means I'm making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because in a way, this whole practice is not about believing in anything. Right. You know, so. I was just trying to be, I don't know, I was just trying to connect. <laughs> yeah, but I, no, let me just say, to be, I mean, for real, I think what it means is just based on my experience of the practice, I, I feel like it works, you know? And it's not like I think it's for everybody, you know, I'm not like, I've been annoyed enough by my friends who've decided that they have found the thing that's the thing and that I should be interested in it. <laughs> you know, that's, that gets old fast for everyone. So it's not like that, but it's that, you know, I, I, I really feel like when you're are sincerely interested in this practice and you apply it, it can be very profound and uh, profoundly transforming. So that's maybe what I mean. I have a lot of faith in it uh, based on experience, my limited experience. You know, and it's very limited experience based on what my senses of the, the territory. Yeah? Um,
2: early in your talk, you spoke to the fact that we're not present very much of the time at all, mm-hmm. that we're usually seeking or we're in the future or in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, given <coughs> that we are not monks, that most of us have to function in our Western world here in the Bay Area,
0: Yeah.
2: how much, I mean, we need to be seeking How much can we be present and how much can we be seeking and still be, I guess, connected with the
0: denominator? Yeah. When you say seeking, what are you referring to? You use the term. Yeah, I know, but I'm curious what you're referring to. When you say we need to be seeking in our daily lives. Well,
2: I need to get this
0: done. I need
2: to be productive. I need to all the things
0: that our Western society is pushing us to. Yeah, and we have to do them to survive and stuff. Right. Yeah, So, yeah, I, I, I don't know that there's a, a contradiction. So when I was talking about seeking, I was talking about a certain kind of attitude of that, <laughs> that kind of like that real life is, is going to be at the next step. Mm-hmm. But when you're not in that attitude, you can still plan for the future, you know? Mm-hmm. But you're kind of doing it from the present, you know, sort of like... You know, what should I do tomorrow? Let me think about it. You know? oh, Maybe I need to do this and I need to do this. But that's very different than, than this. Like, oh, you know, it's, you're just, it's like you're here and pl- planning happens in the present. You know, even thinking about the future happens in the present. So it's just, and, and it does take practice. You know, like I said, it's just, it's like a new way of living. Are yeah. you You are in the present all the time.
1: <laughs> Try to get out.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. You won't, you won't experience yourself in the present all the time. You won't know, you know, and that's fine. But it's different to know you're in the present all the time and that, oh, yeah, I've been caught up. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah.
2: I'm still a little confused. When you keep talking earlier about how a person would postpone being present until they had a better situation, Yeah. for instance, or the person that climbed the mountain was open at that moment to the sense of arrival, which was a, one would imagine was a spacious, satisfying feeling. Right. It begs the question that this happens. It seems like. What you're saying is, when you're present, you will be happy. And I know that's not quite right, but the implication is, what you said, the way I read it is that I'm not going to be happy until I have a better sit, so you postpone your gratification or whatever. You're, right, hoping, right. you're hoping, you're searching, seeking for gratification. Right. But so the end result of that is happiness. So I feel like when you climb the mountain, the sense of accomplishment and wonder is, is more than you can achieve just sitting here. There's something actually different. The mountain does give you more. when You made it up there. So I'm not sure that what mm-hmm. you're saying doesn't resonate. Yeah.
0: Sure. Uh, I would probably disagree. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Maybe that's why I'm saying it, because that's my, <laughs> you know, I disagree about your thing about the fundamental difference between the mountain and now. But I would ask you around this thing about happiness because that's important. That's what yeah, that's the key. So it depends on what you mean by happy, by happiness. If you mean like feel good, you're right. That's not what I mean. No. Yeah, I don't. I don't mean happiness like we think of happiness as like, you know, I don't know what do we think of it as like, like yay, you know? Yeah. It means something, you know, that when the Buddha talked about happiness, maybe a better definition, it's, it's sort of, you know, the words, it's not like, it's more like peace. Or, yeah, or fulfillment, you know, fulfillment. It doesn't mean like, I mean, say, you know, somebody you love has died. You're not going to be happy, you know, or something really difficult. You found out you have some illness, you know. You're not going to be, like, happy about it, you know. But what we're talking about is like, but can I exist with this? You know? Is suffering, and you going to be at peace. Peace is a much closer word. We, we don't have a word in English that's kind of like for that.
1: How about satisfaction?
0: Satisfaction?
1: Contentment. Yeah. Like contentment.
0: Okay, keep coming. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Those are great words. Yeah. Um, we'll get you next. The
1: uh, idea of awareness. Uh, Seems to me, uh, it has a lot to do with the focus of attention, and to be aware of everything that's going on at, uh, at, uh, with your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, for me, meditation—the idea of focusing on your breath—is just practice of focusing,
0: yeah,
1: of being aware. Uh, try to be aware of everything that's going on around you in the present. Yeah, and I—I uh, I think uh, seems to me that. But that idea of being in the present can happen in other situations in life. Um, for instance, I'm a musician.
0: Yeah. And if I'm playing music, hmm? I have to be very present. Very present. Yeah.
1: Um, if my wa- mind wanders while I'm doing this, mm-hmm. it doesn't, doesn't happen too, too well. Right. Uh, other, other times, when we're sitting here listening to you, we're giving you our full attention, mm-hmm. I think we're, at that point, we're in the present. I mean, mm-hmm. we should be. So we're aware of, of that. So mm-hmm. it seems like the focus of attention, and which, I, they talk about concentration a lot, mm-hmm. too, in the practice, I know.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: So anyway. That's
0: yeah, you know, in a, in a way, I guess, you're right. What I'm talking about is not dependent on sitting in meditation. But meditation is a very useful tool for cultivating it. And I imagine maybe playing music is, too. And actually, once you get some traction in the practice, you can be practicing it all the time, like now, while we're talking. You know, It's like, you're aware of the environment, you sort of aware of what's happening in you and of the exchange.
1: Right, also for communicating with people, if you're really present to what they are saying, yeah. then you can respond, and you're much more uh, alive than if you're spacing out and you know.
0: Yeah. about Yeah, well, you're doing. actually in relationship to what's happening. Yeah. That's why this is functional, you know, because when you're really present, you're not in your habitual reactions to things as much. You, can, you actually have a chance to make a choice. You, know, to, uh, you can decide what to say and what not to say. You know? So it's actually maybe uh, your greatest protection. You know, sometimes we think, oh, I have to have all my little protections, but awareness is a great protection because it, it's helpful for functioning. It actually makes you more skillful. You know, uh, was there any? Was there another layer there, that I missed? No, I don't think so. Okay.
1: Uh, it, uh, I know in the practice, it, and I haven't gotten into this, but it really focused on the concentration. Oh, concentration. A, a yeah. Deeper level of what we're, we're talking about. Yeah. It,
0: it, so that's that's the part I missed. Yeah, I knew I missed something, but I forgot what it was. <laughs> yeah. So the concentration piece is, in a way, what I'm talking about is kind of getting used to this denominator, having the denominator become more steady, our experience of it. It's not concentration like focusing in on something, what I'm talking about. You know, it's sort of stabilizing in this present time awareness, which is actually a very open experience. You know, it may include the breathing. You know, you could be, and the breathing is kind of a way of cultivating that, but it actually, it can also just include the, the mix. Was, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you, thank you very much for
2: sharing your, your knowledge. Um, my question is regarding uh, uh, how
0: how we can coach someone in not med- to meditate when the person has uh, there's chemical imbalance in the brain or they're older adults with uh, early signs of uh, dementia. Mm-hmm. How can we coach them on how to concentrate and how to focus and how to stay in the present? I can think music, but I don't know if that will... Oh, well, like. you know, uh, chemical imbalance. Like, what do you... I, I understand what you mean when you're talking about, like, you know, people with dementia or something. So I, mean, I work with people with mental illness. I'm mental a, illness. Yeah. I don't know that the kind of meditation would be a good idea. Oh, okay. You know, it's not like... I don't think it's the thing for everybody, you know. And one of the things about meditating is that uh, some of your defenses can kind of soften, and if somebody's very unstable, that might not be a good idea. You know, if their sort of ego structure is held together very fragilely, like some maybe some, you know, it may not be a good idea to do a lot of that. And uh, it would have to be on a case by case basis. It's very hard to make a generalized statement about that. Could, I could see it being beneficial to some people and, and not to others. But I'd be I'd be careful about it as a blanket thing of like, oh, we should just do this. Yeah. That's just my opinion. Um,
2: Can I offer a suggestion to that? I have a suggestion for you. I used to work with uh, uh, mentally ill people a long time ago, and I tried walking meditation. Or you don't have to make it formal, but just walking and having them be aware of what they're doing as they're walking, looking at things, smelling things, feeling things, breathing things, sort of the senses, and just go through the walking and then just notice your senses as you're walking and i found that to be very it gets them out of their head it gets them more into their experience of what they're doing physically so, try it.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: and my
2: question has to do with um with this awareness in the present do you find that
0: um it makes your choices more important as to where you are and what you're doing when you open yourself to the present
1: um, and the reason I ask is because
0: today was disturbing to me in the, the news stories mm-hmm. were disturbing to me mm-hmm. and <coughs>